With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. have named you You're so like the lady with a mystic smile Is it only cause you're lonely they have blamed you For that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile And buongiorno to all of you fellow patrons of the Shape Ippy Bar. This is the Shape Ippy Mob Pod on the full Radio Network, and I am your co-host, Mike DeBate. Uh, you can definitely find me on Twitter at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C, and I am joined by the owner, proprietor, and the muscle behind it all, uh, my good friend, my co-host, Thomas Murphy. Murph, it's always a pleasure to sit up and pull up a stool and join you at the Shea Bippy Bar, my friend. It's been a little while, but uh, I think this one will be uh, pleasing to our public and uh, pleasing to our fans here as we break down the freshmen. Yeah, well, I've been getting a lot of hate mail. Hey, where, where's the Bippy? Why why yep. go to the Bippy and it's closed? What's going on, guys? You know, just want a beer. It's all we want. And, and the next time you tell tell us that we can't leave, we're not gonna. We're not gonna try because we're just gonna stay here and demand more great content. And um, yeah, we got a good one today, don't we? 
We definitely do. And, you know, coming off of The Godfather, a couple of long-winded episodes, today will be one that you can actually download and maybe get in one commute uh, that won't last for days upon days on end. Uh, I did get some mail the last time around about uh, you yeah. know, people were like, this is great, I loved it, but, you know, I had to split it up and I had to listen to it a couple of times. This will be a little more compact, but uh, the uh, um, th- this film is definitely uh, one that, I don't think gets enough credit for being, first of all, the comedy that it is and the film that it is. I think a lot of people looked at this and said, oh, it's just a spoof of The Godfather. And it really, really isn't. I thought Marlon Brando no. was brilliant in this. Uh, Mark, Matthew Broderick, of course, is a favorite of yours and mine. Anyone that looks at Murphs or my Twitter timeline <laughs> knows that we go back and forth quite a bit with Ferris Bueller, GIF files, GIF files. I still don't know how to pronounce that. I call them GIFs. GIF. I don't know. It's GIF. Yeah, GIF, is a, GIF is a peanut butter. Thank GIF you. is what you send out, and that's for everybody over at our at our friends over on the Dork Podcast who do who do movie yeah. podcasts, and <laughs> and anyone else out there, Mac and Goo, it's GIF. Thank right. you, my friend, yeah. and I completely, completely agree with you. But uh, this film came out in 1990. Uh, they call it an American crime comedy film, and I think that's a really good way of setting this up. Um, it stars, again, Marlon Brando, Matthew Broderick, the late, great Bruno Kirby as well as in this. It takes a, a great and funny part. Uh, and it's written and directed by Andrew Bergman. Uh, and the plot revolves around a young New York film student's entanglement in an illicit business of offering exotic and endangered animals as specialty food items. Uh, and that's a lot of words, but that's basically a nice way of saying that uh, Matthew Broderick's character is really, um, Claude Kellogg is the, uh, the, the name of his character, and he has a little problem delivering a Komodo dragon for this purpose. And uh, Murph, I'll uh, give you a chance to kind of introduce what we see here and, and how Broderick's character really evolves throughout the whole movie. Well, Broderick lands in New York from from I think Vermont or New Hampshire, and um, we're not sure. Oh, Vermont, because actually, keeps going, yeah. yeah, Vermont actually. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Vermontish. And, um, you know, Vermontish, and um, he 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 lands in New York at, at you know he gets off the train and and he's there bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to go to film school. And who does who does he run into? Bruno Kirby. <laughs> who offers him who offers him money for some completely legitimate work after Kirby uh, well first Kirby Kirby is 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 at the train station acting as a um a unlicensed Uber if you will uh, a town car service picking up people from uh from their de- from wherever they came from to get them to where they need to be in New York. A lot of people did this back in the eighties and nineties and whatnot. They probably still do. And, um, and what he did was, and, and what they're probably still doing is he, he ripped off his fare where <laughs> he charged him to take him into the city. And then he drove away with all his belongings. But um, at, at the beginning, Broderick feels that he's just being robbed. That That's all this is. And he starts tracking them down. Actually, what Bruno was doing was um, <clears throat> trying to pull him in to this entire illicit little setup that that Mike had just talked about, and and that's how he ends up meeting Jimmy the Toucan. Um, a- after Broderick tracks him down, he's like, "Look, I, I can't get you your money back. I can't get your stuff back. It's sold. It's gone. I'm, you know, I I, I blew it at the track." 
Um, and but I, I I can get you a job. I'll get you a job. And he takes him to meet Carmine Sabatini, who, unbeknownst <laughs> to um, to uh, young Clark Kellogg, is a mafia head. And he just so happens to be a mafia head that that looks like the movie mafia head that we all think of when we hear mafia head. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows that the, that the resemblance is uncanny. And some people actually say that the movie was based off of him. Um, Carmine Sabatini, also known as Jimmy the Toucan, offers Matthew a job to pick up a package at uh, LAX. And, and that's that's how this, this movie begins. And, and they do. They, they don't drag this along at all. This all happens within the first 10 minutes of the film. And it's, yeah, it's, exactly. It's fantastic. It, it, it's really great. The the pace of this film is fantastic, and uh, and Brando. Some people call it a spoof. I call it an homage to his um, original character of the Godfather. Um, he he does it with with a comedy wit and a seriousness that that takes it out of the. Um, the realm of a spoof. Don't you agree? I do. I absolutely agree. And I think Brando had a lot of fun on this film. Oh, I do uh, too. You know, I think able, this is the most fun he'd to... had on, on, uh, on a project in decades. Yeah, you can definitely tell that. And you know I'm all about the tidbits, Merce. So I did a little bit of digging, and I did discover one tidbit. Uh, Brando is known as a prankster on set, and he definitely loves to keep the mood light, keep it levity, yep. um, you know, and really have a lot of fun being able to film these scenes. We talked about it a couple of, uh, you know, gags that he played in The Godfather, hiding weights in his uh, stretcher. So when the prop guys came to bring him up the stairs, they had a real problem getting him up those stairs. Yeah. Another one was when he filmed uh, the uh, the sunny scene in the morgue where he meets the Undertaker and you know what oh, you know that uh, he actually off camera was holding a, a container of spicy squid which apparently really stunk up the set that they were filming this on and Brando didn't care he was doing it just to try to get a rise out of guys like um, you know Robert Duvall and James Conn were in the scene and and Conn especially because he had to lie there motionless uh, right. as a dead body but. But, uh, you know, Brando does these kind of things. So there was a situation where Brando was having a problem shooting a scene. And as a nervous habit, he always began chewing, you know, bazooka bubble gum. And apparently he was a huge, huge fan of the bazooka bubble gum. He loved it. Um, and Brando always kept asking him for a piece from Andrew Bergman. And Bergman kept getting frustrated with this. And he said, look, he said, I'll give you a piece of bubble gum. He says, if you can do this take, with the way I want it, and I'll give you a piece without any type of deviation from the uh, from the uh, uh, the, the script or uh, without going ad lib because Brando was very known for that. He wasn't one that memorized his lines. He did it according to feel, and he wanted this script exactly as as he did. And Brando said, "Okay." And he did the scene, and immediately upon hearing cut, he walked right over to Andrew Bregman and put his hand out, like as if to say, "Okay, I did it. Give me my piece of gum now." Just like a like a like a young kid, like a five year old mm -hmm. kid would. So you know, that's I think the type of levity that was on this set. And Brando, you know, brings 
his A game every time he comes out. Uh, even when it doesn't look like he's doing that, he does it. And again, getting back to the the plot line of the movie, as Murph set up, the package that's coming in from LAX to JFK, and he has to transport it to a specific address. And Clark knows he is going to need some help to do this. Uh, he enlists the help of his roommate, uh, Steve Bouchak, who's played by Frank Wally, who is a great character actor. You've seen him in Pulp Fiction. You've seen him in JFK. Mm -hmm. Tons of movies. This guy really does a great job of being a, a good character actor. One of the guys whose name you might not recognize, but if you see his face, you know him immediately. Um, and he has to deliver it to a guy named Larry London, who's played by Max Schnell, and his assistant, who's also played by B.D. Wong, who's another character actor that you've seen in numerous films like yeah. Jurassic Park, Jurassic World, um, even the Karate Kid Part 3, Father of the Bride series. He's been in a lot and really really versatile. So at this point, Clark has also introduced the Carmine's daughter, Tina, who's played by the lovely Penelope Ann Miller. Yes, I uh, love takes an Tina. Immediate, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and she takes an immediate like to Clark. Um, and Tina starts to, I think, maybe get Clark a little nervous when she starts to talk as if the two are soon to be married. Right. And, you know, <laughs> Clark's They're in love thing and, now and, is... It, oh. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, and, and The Godfather is also a huge, huge, uh, you know, running gag in this film. Uh, not mm -hmm. only do they make constant references to the fact that uh, Jimmy the Toucan looks so much like Vito Colleone, but no one has the actual guts to tell the guy to his face that he looks like it, like Merced. <laughs> uh, but uh, in uh, Professor Fleaver's film class, which is where Clark attends school, he's in NYU, he's a film student, um, they show clips of The Godfather Part Two, and then all of a sudden he discovers that he's being chased by two agents of the Department of Justice because the package that he had to pick up, he needed to pick up what was the Komodo dragon. And we said that right from the beginning here. So, you know, the Department of Justice agents catch up with uh, um, with Clark, and uh, some of the hilarity starts to ensue from there uh, as we find out a little bit more about Jimmy the Toucan and the fabulous gourmet club that he runs. And I'll leave it to my friend Murph to kind of flush that out a little bit. Yeah, it it comes... It, 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 it turns out that that the the agents are are dirty they're on the take um and of course uh carmine sabatini knows this and and everybody else knows this but but broderick he he has he has no idea he has he has no clue all he knows is that these these guys have hauled him in and they're trying to let him know that that you're going to jail for a very long time they they let they let clark kellogg know what's going on here, what's happening, what he's doing with these animals. And uh and this this sets up a a bit of a um a moral dilemma for him. And and he calls home to talk to his mother. And mm -hmm. and his 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 stepfather is listening in intently, his jerk of a stepfather, because all stepfathers are jerks. We all know this. So we're gonna play that up right away. Um <clears throat> is listening in and he had contacted um uh I, I can't think of the names of of the agents off the top of my head you got that mike um and and that's when oh, they get know. into it and and right. so it more and more it's it's broderick playing off of the agents and and then broderick playing off of sabatini and Penelope Ann Miller, Tina Sabatini is is 
you know, the, the glue that's holding all of this together because, you know, she's a beautiful young woman and, and Broderick, it, it helps, it, it helps to build the suspense as to, to what he wants to do, because of course he does not want to get married to, to Tina Sabatini. He's, you know, right. a kid just going to freaking school. So he has no idea. And, but, but it, it also, he, he's not quite sure how he wants to handle this. He doesn't want to go to prison, but he wants to find out more about the man that he's doing. And, and Clark Kellogg starts following Carmine around and, and you see the, the love that, that he gets in the neighborhood that, that he holds and you know, he goes to get oranges <laughs> and they, and they, they refuse to let him pay for the oranges and, and, you know, just a beloved guy. And, um, yeah, no, go ahead. No, it, it it truly is, and that when he when he does follow around Carmine now, and he starts to learn a little bit about him, Carmine admits, you know, that the Gourmet Club exists. I think that was one of the things that Clark was a little concerned about, and then wanted to know. And Carmine does admit, but he also tells him that these two Department of Justice agents they're being bribed by a rival crime family that wants both him and Clark dead. So if you thought Clark right. was a little on edge before, now he knows these guys are out to get him, and now he's a little bit more on edge. So the two kind of come up with a plan now to get Carmine out of the exotic animal business for good and to clear Clark as well. So that way it basically gets them out of the business that neither one of them really want to be in or so to speak. And a lot of that comes from, uh, and a lot, I should say a lot of the, the comedy uh, in the movie that's still to come is as a result of that. Um, at the Gourmet Club's dinner uh one point, you see Burt Parks, who was the, uh, the the Miss America host for a long period of time, singing yep. There She Is when the Komodo Dragon is revealed. And the Gourmet Club's Mater D just happens to be Gianni Russo, who played Kahlo in The Godfather. So, you know, there's still a lot of running gags that come there uh, right. and that really, uh, you know, uh, kind of make everybody snicker when you see this movie. The Godfather is so prevailing. And what I love about what Bregman and, and – um, you know, the writers did with this is they didn't shy away from that. They didn't make it all about the spoof of being the Godfather. And I think right. Murph, you hit the nail right on the head when you said that they used it as a background. They kind of interwove the plot lines in and used it as a running gag without making this a full on spoof of the Godfather. If you're looking for a spoof of the Godfather, I think it was the Zucker brothers that did a version called Mafia uh, back in the early, the mid nineties. Um, and I think Jay Moore was in it. And I have few not of the seen others. that. That's, yeah, that's really more of a, I actually saw bits and pieces of it. I've never seen the whole thing myself. Uh, we may have to do a little bit of work on that and we might, go ahead and chronicle that on uh, yeah. Shakespeare Mob Pod. But um, the freshman, I think, did this brilliantly. That, I don't think, did it justice. I think that was just pure spoof just for the sake of spoofing it. And I think it's, a, I, from what I saw, the reason why I didn't finish is because I thought it was just a little too over the top. Um, and I wasn't really a huge, huge fan of it. But this movie I was always a big fan of, and I always loved, uh, you know, the, the freshman. Um, but in any case, uh, the two Department of Justice uh, agents, uh, they do turn out to be corrupt in this. Um, there's there's no uh, you know question about it. So there was a little bit of, of truth to the uh, the fact that, you know, Carmine had kind of put the fear of God in the Clark, knowing these two guys were not on the up and up and were not just, you know, these these righteous uh, justice agents that wanted to uh, put, uh, you know, the, the mob members in jail. There is a little bit of a corruption there as well. And. 
the uh, the um, at the gourmet club. Clark steps outside to signal the Department of Justice agents who then go ahead and raid the club. And Carmine gets upset with Clark that he's ratted him out. And it looks like Clark has kind of turned the corner here and gone with the Department of Justice agents, not really knowing that these guys are corrupt as well. Carmine pulls out a gun to kind of wrestle a little bit. And then Carmine is apparently shot dead. And it's a scene in the movie that does set up a few plot lines down the line and Murph I'll go ahead and let you take it from here in terms of what happens from the time that Carmine is apparently shot dead then what happens now with the uh, uh, with the FBI agents and of course uh, with uh, with Larry London as well because he's still in the mix there too right well you know the, the Department of Justice agents they're they're there for the money that's what they're there. They, they, people pay a hundred up to a hundred thousand dollars for a sitting at this club, and they're going to eat Komodo dragon. And, and it's also played up that this is going to be the last sitting of the gourmet club. And so the, the prices were out were outrageous. And that, that's what they're there for. They, they they sit there and they they need the money for for evidence. <laughs> we need the money for evidence. And um, they dig it and they 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 book out the back and and nobody is is wondering well you know why aren't we all arrested well it's because that these guys are dirty and it turns out that Carmine Sabatini or somebody of the, is is actually working with the real department of justice and they're waiting for these two idiots at the other side of a cornfield where they've parked and um and they're the ones that end up getting locked up and the gourmet club goes on Along with um, with Larry London, who's about to serve a, a, a lovely sea bass to everybody out here, <laughs> everybody who's paid a hundred thousand dollars for this, and all of the animals, including the um, you know, there, there are tigers and lemurs and everything else. When when they had delivered this Komodo dragon, um, I, we skipped way ahead because we're trying to get through this in an hour. Um, when the boys had had delivered the Komodo dragon to Larry London, they they see a, a farm. They get to a farm that that is is filled with exotic animals, and everything starts. You know, he's 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 wondering what's going on here, and this is before he finds out about the gourmet club. And um, but all of the animals at the end are are donated to a, a, the the zoo. I think it's the Bronx Zoo, and um, yes. Yep, the, the new, new zoo, Carmine yep. Sabatini Endangered Species Wing at the Bronx <laughs> Zoo. Wing, yep. <laughs> and it's just, it's brilliant. The, 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 that's basically the, the plot and the, and the beginning and the end of this movie. It, it's what happens in between that makes this movie so endearing, that, that makes me keep going back to it. The fact that when, when, um, when Clark has to go from Little Italy to uh, Sabatini's home to meet Tina and pick up a car um, th th when they first met. And there's there's a man standing over over the um, there's a, a small porch over their over their front door, and you don't see any see this man when when Clark walks in. He's obviously ducked down and hiding, but when he pops up, there, there's the prototypical mafia hood standing there with with a sub-automatic machine gun because <laughs> this is the life that is led here and it's completely normal to the Sabatinis. And Clark walks in and he meets Tina and 
over the over the hearth is is a picture of the Mona Lisa, and he mar wow, that's an amazing copy of the Mona Lisa, and and Tina's like, that's not a copy, that's that's <laughs> the real thing, and he's like, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, well, yeah, you remember a few years ago when it came over here for a for a um a tour? Yeah, well, it stayed, and a copy went back. There's a copy behind all that glass that everybody's taking a picture of. <laughs> My father just thought it was it was terrible that 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 this beautiful painting, you know, had to sit behind all that glass and be had have its picture taken by a bunch of people that don't really appreciate. It. <laughs> There's that. There's the um just staying on the picture thing. When when Clark goes to meet Carmine at his social club, there's the picture of Mussolini hanging on the wall. Is it, isn't that a picture of Mussolini? Over, well, yeah, that's you know just like out of respect, we put it up. You know, like like you're a young man, you'd have a picture of the Beatles hanging in your room. This is what we have here. <laughs> yep. Exactly. But it, it's just brilliant. From from that to the um the the fantastic performance by Paul Benedict who plays uh Professor Fleeber oh um, yeah in in Paul cinema Benedict studies was great now yeah. if you think that that the two of us droned on and on about the godfather a few weeks ago and had to split that up take that to the 10th power and that's how Arthur Fleeber feels about the Godfather that he he is he is screening for his young film students because everything that you need to know about film is learned in the Godfather. So of course Fleeber is a huge mafia fan. He follows everything. And when when uh at one point in the movie um uh Carmine needs to see Clark and they need to talk. They need to talk about everything that's going on and uh, and get to the gourmet club. Uh, Tina goes to pick him up in their new Mercedes. Uh, that was a wedding gift from her father <laughs> because by this time they're getting married. And, and so she just walks in and being the typical professor that, that Fleeber is, he's like, who are you? How dare you? And she's like, I, I need to see Clark Kellogg. Well, he's busy. Who the you think you are and she goes i'm i'm tina sabatini carmine sabatini's daughter and he, he immediately comes out with with carmine's mafia name which is jimmy the toucan how perfect <laughs> is that and he's like, i know jimmy the toucan and she's like nobody actually calls him that you know <laughs> <laughs> but my father thinks that 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 clark is an excellent student Yes, he's an excellent. My father thinks that Clark Kellogg is an A student. Well, he's an excellent. My father thinks he's an a, yes, he's an A student. Yes, um, <laughs> Fleeber is just in in complete flux that he is meeting um, Tina Sabatini, the 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 daughter of Jimmy the Toucan, and she immediately she pulls. Well, Mister Mister Kellogg, get up, get up. You're you're needed elsewhere. <laughs> It's just fantastic. It's all these little things about this movie. It, it's the performance of Maximilian Schell. It, it's it's a, it, you you brought up D. B. Wong earlier. Um, the, the names in this in this film really make it fantastic. Bruno Kirby plays a, a, his part to perfection, and I don't know anybody in this film that doesn't. You, from the moment you 
sit down in your seat, you really don't want to get up because you'd miss everything. It, we're lucky now that we can hit pause and you're not watching this. I did see this in the theaters when it came out. Um, yeah. it just as a goof, I mean, like I said, I, I love Matthew Broderick. I had a big crush on Penelope Ann Miller. Um, that goes back to, um, I, I, I can't even remember, but, um, she was fantastic. Somebody that we don't hear about much anymore, Penelope Ann Miller, for some reason. I don't yeah, know it's true. And, um, and she did get, you know, some great performances, not only in, you know, in, in Carlito's way, obviously she was, mm-hmm. uh, she was very funny in kindergarten cop. And, you know, there were yep. a lot of movies, you know, throughout the late eighties, early nineties, uh, that she, uh, you know, really gave some, uh, some great performances and just, uh, you know, de- de- definitely easy on the eye. There's no question oh, about yeah. it, but uh, you know she uh, she always brought it every time she uh, she stepped on film. So yeah, it, it's a little surprising that we don't hear a, a whole lot from her. But um, to me, just the the Godfather gags just are really and the yeah. Brando gags really. I mean, one of the things that I loved about having Gianni Russo play the Mater D at the Gourmet Club, and a lot of people probably don't pick up on this, but um, in the film uh, in the Godfather, uh, Marlon Brando was adamant about Carlo not getting a, a a real high up right uh, spot in the family business you know give him a living give him a living discuss the family business with him and and that's something that he really uh, does in this movie as he's leaving the gourmet club he says good night boss and that's really, I good think, night, a Carlo. real subtle jab. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, hello, Carlo. Good night, Carlo. Hello, but Carlo. He also, it, it also looks at the point where, okay, well, now you've ascended to that level. Now I'll call you mm-hmm. boss. Now you're up, you know. So things like that. Or him calling Clark, you know, meaning uh, Carmine and uh, uh, Marlon Brando, him calling Clark Kent. And Kent. anybody that, that's ever seen the original Superman knows that. Yep. Marlon Brando Clark. played Jarrell. He played the original right. father of Superman on the planet Krypton. So it's these little subtle jabs that I think Bregman did a tremendous job uh, being able to to pull into this film without being overt and leaving right. a little under the radar. And these are things that upon a second and third viewing, definitely you pick up on and you appreciate just how well they were able to interwove a lot of what pop culture had surrounding this film without it being a, a true spoof. And uh, of course, something that's a favorite of, of my friends and I is uh, uh, the, uh, the Leo and Big Leo, uh, where, you know, the, <laughs> it comes in and he asks, um, you know, I need to see, uh, I need to see Leo. Oh, well, I'm Big Leo. Well, it says Big Leo. We are the same. We are the same. <laughs> I just love that line. We are the same. Uh, that's become a part of my friends and I, uh, our lexicon, and we use that all the time, uh, whether it be, you know, just in, you know, shooting the breeze or whatever. We are the same is something we use all the time. So it's been a favorite of mine for a while for those reasons, just these little under-the-radar things that just keep endearing me to this film. Right, and I, I'm right there with you. I, I thought that this was on free for 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 Netflix. I ended up having to having to pay for it cuz of course, like I said, I have all these freaking cassettes and and DVDs around here and nothing to play them on anymore. <laughs> and the wife keeps telling me to get rid of them and I can't. And someday I'm going to find a DVD player that's at a at a tag sale or something so I can actually enjoy these movies and not have to keep paying for them. And but no, I shelled out the the two ninety nine to to watch this movie again, and it is is definitely worth it, folks. I, I we're, I'm, we're begging you, we're begging you. If if you need a little mafia comedy relief, 
please go check this movie out because it's just a phenomenal, you know, an hour and a half. It, it, it's a true um, make some popcorn and let's just giggle kind of flick. And, and it, it's one of my favorite Broderick movies. It is one of my favorite um, Brando movies. And I can't, I, I just can't get enough of it. And of course, the late Bruno Kirby is just perfectly Bruno Kirby. It, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, we've we've chronicled a lot how Bruno Kirby is just amazing in pretty much everything that he does. And Murph and I also said that we could technically do a Shape of Imam pod just on Bruno Kirby and mm-hmm. his uh, contributions to the genre and to the comedic realm as well. And even in uh, you know a drama we chronicled a few weeks ago, actually more like a few months ago now, Donnie Brasco and uh, his portrayal in that movie as well was was really top-notch so he's sorely missed because character actors like bruno kirby you don't find that many of them anymore that can deliver no. a convincing role anytime they step in front of the camera and uh he's he's definitely missed by me i know murph shares my sentiment yeah. on that as well and it's just yeah it's you look at him in this film and you realize why he was so beloved and why he was so sought after in roles like this uh and i thought he was brilliant um Again, you know, you mentioned Paul Benedict, uh, you know, even even Richard Gant and, and the guys that played the uh, the Department of Justice, uh, um, uh, you know, agents John and, uh, Polito. you know, yeah, exactly. John Polito, absolutely. And, and coming in and, and playing the uh, the role that uh, that he did as well. Um, actually, Penelope Ann Miller, I even forgot to mention this and it sunk in after we were talking about that. She and Matthew Broderick were in Biloxi Blues together. So, you know, yeah. there's, there's that connection as well. Um, and it uh, it really does lend to. I think a lot of the camaraderie that you saw in this, and again, you know, it starts at the top, you know, Andrew Bergman coming in and being, uh, you know, the director in this film and, and really creating an environment where all the actors really had a lot of fun on set. And he was the writer too. He wrote this movie. He was, he wasn't just, he was not just the director. He was, he wrote this film. He wanted to get it um, done. If, if you don't know Bergman, um, you know, he's, he's, called the other Bergman and you understand that in in Hollywood talking mm-hmm. is Bergman gonna yep that's the other Bergman um <laughs> he, he also did Blazing Saddles uh yeah he, he wrote he wrote part of Blazing Saddles he wrote the in-laws um but uh the freshman is is by far my favorite film of his um Blazing Saddles is right next to it but you got to give most of the credit to, to Mel Brooks um, I'm, I wonder why Brooks never never did talking about spoofs. I wonder why he never did a mafia spoof because that would have been that you great. I would have really loved that. that. Made, uh, it is funny <clears throat> that you mentioned that. And uh, Brooks actually addressed that not too long ago because now he's in the over ninety club and he oh, and Dick okay. Van Dyke and Carl Reiner and and, and yep. somebody asked him about that recently and he says he always kind of deferred the question and deflected the question because he didn't want to really get into it. But he was so taken with the original Godfather that he didn't believe he would ever be able to do a mafia movie justice to actually go in and spoof it the way it needed to be done. He would have smatterings of lines and things that were put through. And of course the Don Giovanni character, if anybody's seen Robin Hood men in tights was all based off of Marlon Brando. And they even had him holding a little dragon, which was a nod to this film, believe it or not. Um, But uh, he never wanted to do a full on one because he just didn't believe he'd ever be able to do it justice for a full hour and a half or two hours for screen time. So yeah, Brooks, uh, I I think he, he knew his role in this. (laughs) Uh, Whereas I can take shots, but to do, 
it full on was going to be a difficulty. And that says a lot coming from a comedic genius like Mel Brooks, who's really developed some of the greatest spoofs uh, in history. Right. Um, you know, and just some of my favorite films of all times were movies that he was involved in. So, uh, yeah, definitely interesting that you bring that up. That was a tidbit that I had prepared for today. So uh, great job. Perf. Again, we're okay. on the same wavelength and yeah, it's always good. I, it is. It's really hard to spoof this genre and do it right. Um, we've talked about some movies here that, that have done it the right, the, the wrong way. Um, one that did it the right. I, I don't, I don't want to consider this movie a spoof it, it, because right. that's not what it is. It's, it's a mob comedy. Another one that is a mob comedy that I really always love was wise guys. Um, that came yes. out before this, uh, with, with Danny DeVito and Joe Piscopo. Thank you, Mr. Akavano, which is still a, a line <laughs> that I use often. Um, and a lot of people don't know what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> But no, that's a good one. But this movie is just like like we said, it, it's just a fun sit down to watch. And what what you're seeing is is Brando at his um I don't want to say of course not his peak, but definitely um part of his renaissance. And he he embraced this. You could see it in in the in the film a lot of times uh, in in a lot of times as an, an actor gets older, they just mail it in. Uh, Brando is is not one of those guys, even though they do hold cue cards up for him for all of his lines. He's done that for a very long time. He's, yeah. he's if I was an actor, it'd be the same thing. I, it's I don't know what it is. My short term memory is terrible. Don't do drugs as kids. Um, <laughs> and uh, but no, please, folks, go on out and check this movie out and let us know what you think of it. Absolutely. And, you know, the, one of the great things about a movie like this is it is quick moving. It's fun. You can have a lot of laughs at the expense and it ends on a Godfather gag. How much better can you get than that where Carmine is essentially wrapping everything up and it's been now it's been now revealed that Tina's interest in Clark was an act at the beginning, but now she actually really does have an yeah. attraction to him. And they did end up, you know, like having to get the, to know uh, you on, on attraction. Yeah. Like yeah. To get to know exactly. you on, under different circumstances under, you know, less heightened, you know, yeah, oh, that was great. And Carmine offers to help, Clark kind of make it in Hollywood and really kind of think like a hearkening back to, um, kick you know, I guess, for you. Yep, exactly. And again, our mutual friend Bob Sosa of the New England Patriots loves that word, but I love it. We can use it here today because it's technically not going back to the Patriots, so we can steal a little bit from Bob but still move forward. There you go. Um, Only here. And, uh, and, he, and he mentions having a few connections there, and all you can think of is the Johnny Fontaine and Jack Waltz season. Uh, yep. This season, excuse me. Jack, <laughs> Jack Waltz and Johnny Fontaine scene from the original Godfather. And Clark just looking at him and go, thanks, but no thanks. Like, yeah, I've, I've done my time here. And, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a Pandora's box I don't want to open up. So, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in the mood to laugh and you're in the mood to watch a – a movie in the genre that's very lighthearted. It gives you a feel-good feeling at the end of it. Uh, this is definitely one I highly recommend. Uh, one of my favorite comedies, one of my favorites in the genre, and I was looking forward to doing this one for a while. Me too. Me too. And and, and unfortunately, this was this was a quick one, um, or fortunately for you folks out there. So, Mike, why don't you put a bow on this one, and and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with with something. We'll, we'll, we'll sit down. Why don't you guys DM us and tell us what you want us to do next time, and we'll do that. How about that? 
Yeah, we've been hinting at a mailbag episode for a while, and I yeah. think this is a great opportunity to do that. Look for us on social media. Again, I um, can be followed at M-D-A-B-A-T-E-F-P-C. You can follow my main green man on the other end of the microphone at T-Murph207. Uh, we'll be tweeting some stuff out. So we're looking for your feedback, and we're looking for some of your uh, pieces of uh, uh, wisdom and counsel, so to speak, and let us know which one you'd like us to tackle next year on the Shave It Be Mob pod, um, and we'll be more than happy to do that. And always drop us a line. Let us know how we're doing. We always appreciate your patronage and your business here at the Mob Pod. So, Murph, if there's nothing else that you'd like to add, I say we uh, uh, we have a, a a quick lunch session at the uh, at the Shape That Be Mob Pod today, and we're ready to lock the doors on the bar until our next go round here at Shape That Be. That's it. You know, hopefully our producer will put a little Mona Lisa on the end of this, and and we'll be back in a couple of weeks to give you another one. Until then, the bar's closed. He's Mike, and I'm Murph. We're out. Men have named you You're so like the lady with a mystic smile Is it only cause you're lonely They have blamed you For that Mona Lisa strangeness in your smile Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.